Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a prayer for peace as we pick up in Psalm chapter 122, verse 7. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, Peace be within thee. He tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and then he offers sort of a prayer, Peace be within thy walls. For the companions' sake, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. Still in the anticipation of gathering in Jerusalem to worship the Lord, Psalm 123, Unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of a servant look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. That is, the people around are just contemptuous towards us. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. So, Lord, we're going to lift up our eyes to you who dwell in heaven. Our eyes are going to be fixed on thee, not upon those around us that are giving us such a hard time. How important it is when we're going through trials to fix our eyes upon the Lord. So many times we get our eyes upon people and we get in these interpersonal conflicts with people and and we're watching to see what he's going to do next. Just waiting. Best to just get your eyes fixed on the Lord. And, And so he said, as a servant watches his master's hand. Now, The servant was constantly watching, especially uh, at a dinner or whatever, when when the guests were there. The servant, the whole time, would watch his master's hand. For the master would give certain signals with his hand, expecting the servant to pick up on those signals. It was the duty of the servant. If things are getting out of order, if, if the wine is getting low or something, the master would just, you know, give a signal with his hand. And the servant knew exactly what he was saying. And, and thus, the whole time, the servant's eyes would be glued upon the master's hands, waiting for a signal. Because if the master should signal, and the servant is, you know, off someplace else, in his mind someplace else, and he's not on his toes, then he's really in trouble. Constantly watching, and the same with the the maidservants watching the mistress, watching the hand continually, because it was with the hand that they gave their beckons, their signals, not wanting to speak to their servant. Their directions were given to them by hand movements. And so even as a servant keeps his eye on his master's hand, Lord, I'm going to keep my eyes glued on you. 
That's a good policy. Just keep your eyes glued on the Lord. The junk that you don't see is not going to hurt you. Psalm 124, if it had not been the Lord who is on our side. And of course, I think we could all write our own psalm from this point on. If God hadn't been with me, let me tell you, you know. <laughs> if it had not been that the Lord was on our side. Now may Israel say, if it had not been that the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up quickly when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us, and the stream had gone over our soul, and the proud waters would have gone over our soul. Oh, if it hadn't been for God's help, if it hadn't been for God's strength, if it hadn't been for God's sustaining power, how many times we would have gone under. We'd have never made it this far. If it had not been, Paul the Apostle said, who hath delivered us from so great a death, who doth now deliver us, and I am confident he shall yet deliver us. You see, the past help of God is a prophecy of the future. The fact that God has helped me, the fact that God is helping me is my assurance that he's going to help me. And if it had not been that God was helping me, I wouldn't be here now. And so he breaks forth into the blessing. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken. We're escaped. Our help is in the name of Yahweh who made heaven and earth. Again, the idea God has made the heaven and the earth, the name of Yahweh, the name of our God, Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth. And our help is in the name of the Lord. There's tremendous power in the name of Jesus. Peter was walking into the temple, the hour of prayer. And there was a man who was lame and begging. And you go to Israel today and you'll find out that severely handicapped people, blind, lame, and all, the lepers, they still are around the gates begging. A lot of beggars. And here was a man, born lame, begging. And Peter said, hey, fellow, look over here. And he turned, held out his hand, expecting to receive something. Peter said, I don't have any silver and gold, but I'll be glad to share what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. <laughs> Power in the name of Jesus. And the man stood, he walked, he leaped, he ran through the temple, walking, leaping, praising God because of the power of the name of Jesus. There is a proverb that says, the name of Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. 
how many times I have retreated into the safety of the name of Jesus. When threatened, when in danger, just the breathing out, oh Jesus. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, henceforth you've asked nothing in my name. Ask that you might receive, that your joy might be full. Ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it, that the Father might be glorified in the Son. Power of the name of Jesus, the maker of heaven and earth. Jesus, of course, you know, is Yahweh Shua or Yahshua. It is that name of God compounded with the Hebrew word salvation, and thus you get Jehovah or Yahweh is salvation. Psalm 125, we're still ascending towards Jerusalem. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, the mount upon which Jerusalem was built, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. Now the Mount of Olives won't abide forever. Zion will. But the Mount of Olives is soon going to be split by a tremendous earthquake. Right in the middle, a new valley will be formed out of Jerusalem. Now you have the Valley of Hinnom, in which the Valley of Kidron and the Taropian and the Hinnom Valley merge, and the Valley of Hinnom goes on out of Jerusalem. But there's going to be a new valley going out of Jerusalem when the Mount of Olives splits right in the middle and a new valley formed out of the city. This, of course, will take place when Jesus returns and puts his foot upon the top of the Mount of Olives. <laughs> the geologists have discovered a major earth fault right through the center of the Mount of Olives. Doesn't really mean anything to me. The Lord can split it without an earth fault. <laughs> it shall be split. Actually, it will open up a whole, it'll open up an underground river and a new river will come gushing forth out of Jerusalem flowing into this valley and going clear on down to the Dead Sea. And the fresh waters of this new river that is formed will actually heal the waters of the Dead Sea so that they'll be able to have fish living in the Dead Sea, and it will become a center of a fishing industry. The Mount of Zion abides. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people. So you stand there in Jerusalem, you look and you see the Mount Zion on the south, you see Scopus over towards the north, you see the Mount of Olives on towards the east, Golgotha Calvary towards the west as the mountains surround the little city of Jerusalem. So the Lord surrounds his people from henceforth even forever, surrounded by God. Paul the Apostle 
when he was talking to the Epicurean philosophers there at the Areopagus on Mars Hill in Greece, in Athens. He said, I perceive you men are very spiritual. He said, as I've been going through your city, I've observed the number of idols that you have, your places of worship, all of the different gods. For the Greeks had deified everything they could think of. You know, the sun, the moon, the planets, they were all deities. And then having run out of stars and planets and constellations to deify, they began to deify even emotions. So they had the God of love, the God of hate, the God of fear, the God of joy, the God of sorrow, the God of grief, and, and, and the various gods. They had deified just about anything you could think of. Now, one fellow got an idea, maybe we're missing a God. Maybe we haven't thought of him. So he built an altar and he put the inscription over to the unknown God, whoever you may be and wherever you might be. We don't want you to feel offended and that you've been slighted. So here we've got an altar to worship the unknown God. So Paul said, I perceive you're very religious. I've seen all of your altars as I've walked through your city. He said, and one caught my attention, for it was inscribed to the unknown God. He said, I'd like to tell you about this God. He's the one who made the heaven and the earth and everything that is in them. And in him, we live and move and have our being. In other words, I am surrounded by him. I am living in his midst. I live, I move, I have my being in him. When Daniel was brought before Belshazzar at this feast, after the writing appeared on the walls, he said, Belshazzar, God gave to your grandfather this glorious kingdom of Babylon, but he was lifted up with pride. And so God allowed him a period of madness until he realized that it was God who ruled and reigned. And he said, but this God the very God in whose hand your breath is, you have not glorified. Surrounded by God, my very breath depended upon him. So as the mountains are around about Jerusalem, so God is around about his people. You're surrounded by God. He encompasses us. As the 139th Psalm said, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. You know every time I sit down, every time I stand up. He said, you have gone before me, you're behind me, and your hand is upon me. Thou hast beset me before and behind, and thine hand is upon me. I'm surrounded by God. I never come to any place in my life, but God has not preceded me there. I can look back and see the hand of God as he was on my life, even in the past, even when I wasn't interested. Surrounded by God, your life is encompassed by him. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and to them that are upright in their hearts. 
As for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity, but peace shall be upon Israel. So again, the remembrance of the troubles from the cities from whence they were coming, looking forward again to that time of coming into the consciousness of God's presence. Psalm 126, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, or when the Lord actually freed Zion from her captivity, we were like those who dream. How many times when we see the glorious work of God, it's just like being, just like a dream. It's just, it's just hard to comprehend. As the children were singing tonight, I was like one who was dreaming. I pastored little churches for so many years when you dreamed of having a children's choir and all of the efforts and time and all that we've put in in, in, in trying to develop something and then to just see God do it. You're just sitting there. You're like one who's dreaming. I look at what God has done here, and it's like a dream. It, it, there's something that the reality has not yet sunk in. I, <laughs> it's funny how that so often in my dreams, I dream that I'm back pastoring one of the churches that I've pastored in years gone by and still struggling, and, and you know, and, and, and that whole struggle. And I dream that I'm in, and man, when I wake up, I think, oh no, this is the dream, you know. This can't be real. God's glorious work that we see. And so the psalmist, when God worked, delivered Zion from, we were just like those that dream, so excited in what God was doing. It just, the, the reality of it just hardly seemed to register. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. <laughs> oh, how neat it is to just have that kind of joy and freedom to just be able to laugh over the good things that God does. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Then the prayer, turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. For they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I think that herein is speaking of the ministry in a sense. Jesus, when he spoke of this sower going forth, planting the seed, some fell on the wayside, some among the rocks and some on, among the thorns, others on good ground. Jesus likened the field that was being sown as the world. The seed was the word of God. 
And I think that the reference here is much the same as similitude. As the seed being the word of God and they that go forth, weeping, bearing the precious seed, shall doubtless come again. Those that sow in tears shall reap in joy. I think that the attitude with which we go forth is so important. Paul the Apostle said, For we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the glory may be to God and not of us. The glorious treasure of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the glorious treasure of the word of God, it's in this earthen vessel. Jesus Christ dwelling in me, the most valuable thing in the universe, in this cheap, common clay pot. Earthen vessel is a clay pot. It's a, it's a pot made out of earth, out of clay. So God has taken the glorious treasure and he's put it in this common old clay pot. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study, the book of Psalms, on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Psalms 122 through 126 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you and keep you in His love and grace. May the Lord watch over you, and may you be filled with His Spirit and walk in the strength and in the power of the Spirit of God as He anoints you day by day. May you be enabled by Him, and may you enter into that fullness that He has for you, walking with the Lord, loving the Lord, listening to the Lord. May your mind and heart be clear, sensitive to God and to the things of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. It's with great honor that the Word for Today would like to present Pastor Chuck Smith's book entitled Prayer, Our Glorious Privilege. With great clarity, Pastor Chuck masterfully taught the principles of praying to God our Father and emphasized the power that belongs to each one of us when we rely on the Holy Spirit to guide and nurture our prayer lives. 
I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Prayer, Our Glorious Privilege, and study it to put these biblical principles into practice. Read this book and come to the most amazing realization that prayer is the most potent weapon in your spiritual arsenal, and use it with great promise and hope. For when you begin a life of prayer, you begin a great adventure. To order a copy of this book in print or to download a digital copy, please visit thewordfortoday.org or call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673.